support for Connecticut East this week comes from EastCon for high school completion, English language instruction and employment and job training services. Go to eastcon.org slash get started today. EastCon, you've got this. Nutmeg Pharmacy, fast, friendly, convenient, local, independent pharmacies that are there for you at nutmegpharmacy.com. And Healing Therapies Through Sharing, offering bodywork modalities for those facing the challenges of a cancer diagnosis and treatment at healingtherapiesct.org. He's the self-taught biker-baker of The Quiet Corner. We talked to William Beausoleil of Soleil & Sons Bakery about his award-winning baked goods and his huge social media following. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. It's that time of year, the holiday season, when all our good intentions go out the window as the weather gets colder and we turn to more comfort foods to help celebrate the season. And what better comfort food than baked goods, either made at home or from your favourite bakery? If you're fortunate enough to live in the Woodstock area of the Quiet Corner, then you'll know all too well the go-to destination of Soleil and Sons Bakery on Route 171. I caught up early one morning with bakery owner Bill Beausoleil and his team at the now famous bakery to find out the secret to their continued success. Bill, we know you're incredibly busy. It's like it's the holiday time. You've allowed us to come in. It's about, I think, like 7.30 in the morning, which is nothing for you, I know, because you get up at sort of like way, way earlier. Tell us, how's business? Because it must be booming at this time of year. It's super busy for Thanksgiving, of course. But the way we've been rowing, it's like Thanksgiving all the time. So we're definitely prepped for it. You know, we, we're always on the run, hustling as much as we can put out. And so Thanksgiving is a little bit more, but we're pretty trained on putting out massive amounts of product. Now, if you live in the northeastern part of the state, up here in the Woodstock Putnam area, people, of course, know you. But So let's just quickly go down that journey for, you know, some of us who may not be quite so aware of Soleil Bakery because of, you know, where else we are in the state. How did it all start? The baking itself it started way back when my sister got an Easy Bake Oven when we were kids, and I, for some reason, just took a liking to that Easy Bake Oven, and it was pink, and my father would bust my butt about, you know, the pink kid baking with his oven, blah, 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 and I'd bake with my mom, and continued on, took a few wrong turns, got back into baking, went from a biker world into back into baking, went from running security businesses and bouncing to baking, and about 27 years ago, I opened a restaurant, before that was a little baking, and I became a head baker at a small bakery, then I opened the restaurant, Bill's Bread and Breakfast in Putnam, and then from there, I realized I didn't want to do short order cooking. I was Gordon Ramsay before Gordon Ramsay, okay? I would get stressed out, the pressure, you know. Did five years there of that, then sold that and bought a bakery out in Southbridge, Mass, and baked all night long, loved listening to music, nobody's coming in, you know, hurry up, I need my omelet, you know. Just baking, so much calmer. So that's how I got really started, and then from there we continued growing on. I sold that place eventually and went through some more wrong turns, and then here I am at Soleil. Finally, I think I got it all right. (laughs) 
You were saying, I think, like, next year it's going to be 12 years in business, and for about 10 or 11 of those years, you've won awards consistently, which is amazing, because we were, before we started doing the interview, you were saying you're completely self-taught. Yep, I'm self-made from scratch, I say. We've won Best of Connecticut, Best of Northeastern Connecticut. It started back with the Norwich Bulletin. I think it was in, like, 2013 or 14. We got our first one. So it's been about nine years consecutively for those Best of um, Reader's Choice, Best of Connecticut. I just most recently this year got best of Yankee best of New England from Yankee magazine huge 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 honor you know we need a bigger wall of it plaques everywhere the biker thing tell us a little bit about that because I mean, you're not going to tell us all about that because we had a quick off mic conversation about it but I mean you are known as the biker baker correct I came from the biker world which was riding with motorcycle clubs not just the guy rode riders holly on the weekends you know we were serious business it was back in the old days you know we were a lot of biking but we did a lot of charities and you know that's how I really got my idea of cooking and things I'd cook for these big parties, and they were like, Bill, you need to cook for this next one. Bill, we need you over here. And I actually would just cater big, huge biker events with, like, 20 turkeys for the Thanksgiving meals and things. And like I said, that was a – I changed the I in biker to the A in baker, and I changed my life from, from – it wasn't a bad life, but it wasn't – I wasn't a happy person. You know, I was more of an um, – I hadn't healed enough yet personally. Just so in case people aren't aware of what Bill Beausoleil looks like, you've got tattoos, you've got a T-shirt on. I don't know if there is a typical look for a baker, but I don't – don't know if people would instantly think that's the type of job that you did if they met you. Correct. I was a bouncer, head bouncer in bars for years. and that I have actually have a t-shirt with a skull and rolling pins and it says baking breads and busting heads because that was the joke because I went from running a security bouncer business to baking bread and they were all like, this guy's going to go from busting heads to baking breads, you know? And then, no, if someone asked for a cream puff, I turn around and say, what'd you call me? <laughs> That's it. So, you know, from there, I like to break the mold. I like to show people diversity can win. I like to be um, the underdog on top, you know. I was going to say, because, I mean, if the, the types of stuff that you do as well, you do a huge variety of baked goods. I mean, all the way from traditional to, like, more classic stuff to vegan. Talk to us about some of that, because it all takes time, and it's... Again, probably not something that you would expect at your bakery. I mean, not everybody goes to that sort of like length to, you know, service all these different types of people. I got to say the word bakery is used very loosely. If you don't have a bread program, a strong bread program, you're a bake shop. A bakery has got a bread program, it's got pastries, it's got desserts, it's got everything, you know, from the from the beginning to the end. So, I'm kind of a R&D guy. I mean, I walk around and I just, "Oh, hey, let's try this this week. Let's try that." We did this apple cider donut Bismarck, and I'm telling you, it just flew. We've been through at least 400 of these in four days every every week now. We have a little joke. We say, "Will you still have this tomorrow?" That's what, that's the question on Facebook. We're like, we hope so. You know, we really hope so. But you know, we can't predict if it's all going to sell out. We make as much as we can with like a staff of three production, me and a counter person. And actually, we have a fourth production worker, but she's like part time. As we're interviewing you today, it's actually a day that the the store is closed, but obviously. Obviously, even though you're closed, it's feverish activity in here. So, like boxes being put together, baking is is starting and being done. I mean, is it sort of like a almost like a twenty four seven sort of like situation for you? I mean, when do you ever get any rest? You know, I opened my own business, so I didn't have to work nine to five. Now I work twenty four seven. I rest when I'm dead. No, I rest six o'clock to twelve o'clock, seven o'clock to twelve o'clock. I get up and my alarm goes off at midnight. I try to get in here for one a.m. and I work till one in the afternoon on a general day. It's four days 
work week, but that's for my employees, my team. I want them to have four days. I work five days, and it's eight days I work six and seven. You know, it's, I'm always doing something. But I want my team on a four-day work week, and I want to pay them well and make them enjoy what they do. Talk to us about some of the stuff that sort of like flies off the shelf here, because, like I said, you do sort of like some classic stuff, like chocolate eclairs. I mean, that's like a quite an old-fashioned cake, but it sounds like it's one that's probably popular, because otherwise you wouldn't make it. Chocolate eclairs, cream horns. I wanted to do an old-world-style bakery retro and have the things that I had a great uncle that owned a bakery in Putnam and when I was a kid I remember going in there with my father and the guy had a hunchback and now I know why but I want those old world flavors here my breads I do old world sourdoughs on a general day we have Asiago cheese we have a new one it's a Vermont sharp cheddar with fresh chives and people go wild over I do a pepper jack cheese bread I do Kalamata olive I do cinnamon raisin I do cranberry pecan I do marble rye I do regular rye I do Italian breads I do a butter topped white I do God, they're asking what's going to start next week, the dark chocolate cherry bread for the December. I take dried cherries and cocoa powder and chocolate chips, and I make a sourdough into a chocolate cherry bread that people, can will you still have this tomorrow? That's what they're going to be asking, you know, every day. Just, I have a lot of people that follow what I do on Facebook and things, so I, w- I want to say this, if you can't keep up, take notes. I'm always changing stuff, and I'm, you know, they're like, oh God, I'm going to make that strawberry Bobby did, and then I'm doing something different the next week. You know, I keep it going, keep it fresh, keep it exciting, keep people... Uh, wondering what we're going to have today, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, looking at your Facebook page, I think you've got something like about 18,000 followers, which is phenomenal for, you know, a bakery business. You're also very much up on, on your social media from TikTok. I mean, you're constantly doing videos. The passion just flows through. You only have to watch the videos and so, like see what you're doing. Where does all of that come from, do you feel? I mean, I know you said that, you know, you got into this at a, at a young age and so like and you started and then pivoted and came back to it. But where's the passion come from? Inside, my desire to create my desire to make good things quality items my desire to please the public with the best they can have i hear it a lot that's the best i've ever had that's the best i've ever had and that's gonna you know eventually grow into something really huge you know because we are we're becoming we're a destination for people now and my social media is hitting right now i'm at 1.2 million my reach my personal social media just hit like 300,000 my reach facebook's paying me I'm a paid creator. I'm last month I got a thousand dollars from Facebook for posting. And you know, like eight, ten years ago I had these guys looking down their nose, oh he, he posts too much on Facebook. Oh he he's too much on Facebook and now who's laughing now, you know? <laughs> But it's the truth. But it is true, though, isn't it? That I think, you know, people, like you said, you, you use the word underdog. Clearly, you are not. You're clearly on top of your game. But, yeah, people do seem to sort of like be a little bit strange about things like that. But it's like they're not the ones who's putting in the hours and making the success, are they? We have a lot, so many with social media, couch observationists. And they all know how to do it, but I'm out here doing it, you know. And obviously something's right because we've been doing this for 11 years and there's a line at the door every time we open. I always wanted a bakery that sells out every day and now we Sometimes I didn't have a bakery that sells out every day. I'm proud. I'm very proud of that. And the fact that I'll look out here and I'll see the line going down the sidewalk and it will choke me up with gratitude in the back. You know, I'll be like, my God, I created this. This is a huge creation. I was going to say, you're very much into the community. I mean, I know for a fact that often there's sort of like there's cakes and, and leftovers and coffee here and people can come in and basically get that. I believe it is for free, isn't it? Coffee's free all the time. 
we used to do free coffee Fridays. And when inflation started hitting about a year ago, I kind of made a little pun on the, the free coffee because everybody was complaining about everything rising in price. So I put a post. I said, you know, due to the inflation, the free coffee Friday, making them all think, oh, no, it's going to go away. It's going to become every day now. We're open four days a week, but it's free coffee every day. And it's always a, a little basket near the coffee. It says free to a good home. You can walk in here, grab a, a pastry out of that basket. If you're having low, a low week on cash, low on cash this week, you can grab a pastry and a free coffee or a tea or whatever we serve over here hot. Iced coffee you pay for. But you can grab that and leave and get through the week if you're hungry, you know. I always have a free loaf of bread. If somebody comes in and they need a bread, we give them a free loaf of bread. If you get peanut butter and jelly in a family home, a loaf of bread can help you eat that night. Talk about your other charity stuff as well, because like I said, I know that you've got a huge heart as uh, as well. I mean, we're stood by the holiday toy drive. Talk to us uh, about that, because that's yet another of the things that you do. Yeah, we do a lot of community toy drives. We do the food for Thanksgiving, giving away turkeys at Thanksgiving. It just comes from, uh, I came from a corporate world. I worked for a corporate company for years in a supermarket world for five years. And I saw so much getting thrown away that I was like, so I'm not going to, one, throw away the product here to a pig farmer. I'm going to make sure it goes back to the community and people that are hungry. And two, I know what it's like to come from being hungry at times, but I was too proud to ever go to a place like that. So that's why I set it up so you don't even have to talk to anybody. I'll put breads out front so you can just pull up and take one. You don't have to be seen, you know, as someone that's down on their luck this week. So it comes from a personal space for me of giving back to people that need it, you know. And let's also talk about uh, school kids as well, because you like to collect every year. You put like a, a table out and you collect. This year, you had a bit of a surprise. I mean, it's been a success ever since you've done it. But talk to us about what happened this year. It was starting to get low and then... And then, of course, my Facebook, um, someone on my social media, a friend of mine from high school, Dale Currier, who started the Defenders of Charity, saw it, and he said, we're going to go help Bill out. And they came in here, probably 20 strong, of bikers, and they pulled up with a van, and they just started marching through. I mean, I had tears coming down my face, and it was just amazing. It was amazing. Hundreds and hundreds of items for teachers and children, both, because the teachers needed it, too, this year. So, yeah, it's um, definitely growing. And, of course, it's not restricted to the shop front here in Woodstock on Route 171. You also go to farmers markets. Talk to us about that because if you're not doing enough here with the crazy hours, then to do a farmers market must just add to it. <sighs> From June till the end of October, we fill two bakeries on a Sunday. <laughs> I fill two. Ba- I'm the only one that does the bread. So I'll send out 200 loaves to the Coventry Market. It has to be out of here by 8 a.m. to get down there and set up for the opening at 10 a.m. And then I got to turn around and make all the breads again for this bakery which is another 150 for a Sunday to 200, you know. And we've been doing it since the beginning. I was one of the original vendors with Coventry Farmers Market. To me, that's the best market out there right now to, and I just don't have the time for the smaller ones not that I don't want to do those but I can only spread myself so far and if we're going to do a market we're going to do one that we can get the volume and the people and it's created a bigger following from all those people that can't get my stuff in the winter now coming up here Talk to us about your wife Shari as well because obviously she, uh, you know, none of this would happen without her as well so let's uh, we have to obviously acknowledge the other half of the Soleil Bakery sort of uh, team as it were, talk to us about her. Shari came on board and a couple of years back, we got married. It would be a year this May coming up, May the 4th, be with you. We met two years ago 
um, it'd be three years. This, I'm hope I'm right. Where is she? Three years. So it'd be 2021. We met on Valentine's Day, and it's been great since. She takes over the market. She stepped right in. She came up and just offers to help, and and I couldn't do it without her. You know, I I would send somebody if I could find somebody. Everybody knows how the workforce is nowadays. She is a godsend to me and my business. Cherie is a big, big part of it, and she's not afraid of hard work. That's for sure. She hustles all that bread down there, gets all those things out of the cell at the basement, you know, to fill the van, fills the van with all the bread racks, all that stuff, brings it all down, sets up the easy up, sets up all that stuff, kills the sales, kills customer service. She's amazing. She's a great part of the business. Shari, we need you to come over here just for a quick second. Come on, have a, we've just been talking about you. You are the other half of Soleil Bakery. What did you want to get involved with this crazy one for? <laughs> you know what? I, I couldn't help myself. He's got the a charisma that you just want to be around and um, to be a part of the bakery and to learn everything that, that he's been able to talk me. It's been a really incredible experience and to meet all the people that he's introduced me to, that's also been really fun too. I've told her, I says, um, I may not make you rich, but I'll definitely make you famous. <laughs> you certainly, we, we were just talking just before we grabbed you over and I know you're busy so we won't keep you too long, but um, we were talking about the farmer's markets and that you've dove straight into those. Tell us about those because that's hard work. It is. It's, it's a long day for, for both of us really. He's filling a bakery twice and, and I'm loading it up and taking it all to Coventry, but it really is an awesome and amazing experience, first of all, to see all the people come out and tell me how amazing his breads are and all the creations we make. And people come from all over just to get the bread there. And it's, it's fun. And it was fun when we first started, he would come with me and to see everybody and how they interacted with him. It was just a really good time. So it's been worth it, all the hard work, definitely. And of course, all the awards as well. I mean, that is incredible to literally win an award nearly every year since you've started says a lot about the business doesn't it oh yeah definitely definitely it, it speaks for itself really at this point as i said we're into the the holiday period here i know you're busy and uh, and you've allowed us to come in today and disrupt obviously production so we'll we'll sort of like get out of here fairly soon because otherwise there'll be complaints from customers sort of thing what are you working on today today i'm planning to well first getting everything cleaned up and getting it prepped and we'll probably be working on cheesecakes and pie crusts and getting all that rolled out getting our numbers together and getting all the orders ready for everybody that placed orders this month got a huge stack we are recording this just before thanksgiving so we'll give that away so bill how many items have been pre-ordered because i hear it's ginormous yeah total like with with all the different flavors um that's why we had to bring the flavor numbers down a little bit because it gets too crazy when we have 12 different kinds of pies but we're at close to 500 to make just for the orders and then try to have extras for us as well here you know where do you put all of it i mean this is a fairly big shop front and obviously you've got all the racks and the other stuff but where do you put all of this stuff are you cramming it in home in the extra fridges down in the basement or something and that's the trick last year it was 60 degrees so it was trouble this year we have it's going to be 40 so it's like a refrigerator temperature so we we bring like a van and we'll put some things that we that can be ambient out in a van and then we'll put the things that have to be refrigerated in, fri- in refrigerators and then we just stack all the other ambient 
like apple pies, pumpkin pies, things like that. Can either go in the van or they can stay stacked on shelves on tables here. We bring in extra tables, the farmer's market tables, in fact, and we stack them all on there. And we have extra help that comes in. A girl that used to work for us comes in on Wednesday and helps. So it expedites the line a little bit more so people can get in and out of here. You know, What have been some of the popular items over the past few years? Because obviously, we don't want to keep mentioning the pandemic, but the pandemic was there and people got into their baking, huge time sort of thing. But I'm guessing also it was a bit of a boom time for you as well because people were probably after good local wholesome you know like available baked goods the pandemic went wild here a lot of people started following even more from that people couldn't get flour in the stores and i could get bulk bags i brought in three pallets of flour i changed the front of my retail into a flower shop <laughs> no pun intended no pun intended but we had three pallets 50 bags of flour in each pallet 150 bags in here selling a week to people that wanted to bake at home that couldn't get flour in the supermarkets so the pandemic helped us it helped us in that way with community it also helped us trim the fat so to speak with help we didn't have any help and i realized I can do a lot of this by myself and then we can do it with less people we used to have eight people i never had any money it all went to everybody at work now i have less people they make more money and we all all live happily ever after. It's a very, very sort of like hard business to be in it and long hours we've mentioned that what's the future hold where where do you want to go with this i mean you're already so successful do you want to expand and if so you know how do you do that without sacrificing quality because obviously that's what you're about yep less is more artisan means small batches good quality you know if it was for we're a different time and era where where family helped out more if there was more employees i would have more plans i see maybe a drive-through eventually i see more social media more teaching people to do it at home (laughs) so i can start slowing down a little hopefully well we hope you're around for quite a few many more years and thank you again for letting us come in today so we know you're incredibly busy william beausoleil we'll use your full name of soleil bakery everyone here the team thanks ever so much and have a good holiday season and we better let you get back to your pie crust thank you Thank you for you. Thank you to all my followers. Thank you to all my loyal customers. And thank you for everything for that has been we have been blessed with here. Happy holidays. My thanks to Bill and his team for the interview. And if you want to follow Bill and find out more about his bakery offerings, then visit and follow his Facebook page at Soleil Bakery LLC. That's S-O-L-E-I-L Bakery LLC. <laughs> Connecticut East this week is made possible by EastCon. Want to finish high school? Enroll today in one of EastCon's free high school diploma completion programs offered virtually and in person. Earn your GED, NEDP or credit diploma in as little as six months to a year with small classes and personalized attention. Succeed from registration to graduation with flexible classes that suit your busy lifestyle. Visit eastcon.org slash get started today and take your first steps towards a brighter future. Con. You've got this. Nutmeg Pharmacy, your local independent pharmacy serving Higginham, Moodus, Centerbrook and Taffville, reminding you to get your flu, RSV and COVID vaccines now and protect you and your family. Open seven days a week and with free local delivery. Find your nearest Nutmeg Pharmacy at nutmegpharmacy.com. And Healing Therapies Through Sharing provides oncology massage and other bodywork modalities for those facing the challenges of a cancer diagnosis. Cancer treatments can be brutal. Our professionals can help with with hands-on services, support and resources. Cancer doesn't quit and neither do we. Find out more at healingtherapiesct.org. 
Time now for a look at other stories making the headlines this week. The US offshore wind industry has been dealt another blow as two major heritage organisations based in Rhode Island have filed separate but similar lawsuits over two offshore wind projects. Greg Workheiser is a partner with the law firm Cultural Heritage Partners, who worked with Cape May County in New Jersey and others in winning lawsuits that saw offshore wind projects Ocean Wind 1 and 2 cancelled by Orsted and is now acting for the two Rhode Island nonprofits. If they can't get it right in terms of the big- basic economics necessary to keep their projects going, why would those two communities trust Orsted to predict the impacts on their local heritage tourism economies when the leaders of those companies have never set foot in Newport or on Block Island? And the answer is no sane person would trust them. The Preservation Society of Newport that looks after historic mansions and the Southeast Lighthouse Foundation, responsible for the lighthouse on Block Island, say the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, or BOEM, who awarded licenses for wind farms on behalf of the federal government to foreign energy companies has ignored the National Historic Preservation Act and the National Environmental Policy Act, two key pieces of federal law. Workheiser says the two Rhode Island nonprofits are not against clean energy, just the way it's being done. If wind projects are going off our coast, they have to be done right, they have to be done legally. If that's the case, then you'll ultimately find our clients as supporters. But that has not been the case. And so they feel compelled to stand up, not just for these projects, for the future negative impacts of not standing up for these laws now. Connecticut East this week reached out to Boehm for a statement on this story, but have been told they do not comment on active investigations. And a spokesperson for Orsted, whose two projects are being appealed against, said in a statement, South Fork Wind and Revolution Wind receive federal construction approval following years of reviews and scientific studies, as well as public comment and other stakeholder engagement. While we do not comment on pending litigation, we will continue our work to support Northeast states' clean energy and economic development goals by bringing well-paying jobs and local investment to the region. The two preservation organisations are hoping to slow down or stop work being carried out on South Fork Wind and Revolution Wind projects, and for Boehm to recognise their historic viewsheds from being despoiled for the next 30 years. A recent report report finds Connecticut could do more to strengthen its child behavioral health system. Edwin J. Vieira from the Connecticut News Service has this report. Connecticut and the U.S. are facing an increasing child mental health crisis, which was brewing long before the pandemic made it worse. A 2022 report finds suicide was the second leading cause of death for Connecticut teens aged 15 to 19. But Connecticut is making strides to provide an adept youth behavioral health system. Jason Lang with the Child Health and Development Institute describes one of the report's recommendations. The current reimbursement rates for many behavioral health services have not kept pace even with inflation over the last decade. So there's a a large gap in terms of funding that's available to the providers that in turn is limiting their ability to attract behavioral health clinicians and staff. Almost half of all people in the U.S. live in a mental health workforce shortage area. KFF data finds Connecticut has 47 healthcare professional shortage areas, leaving more than 1.6 million people without access to coverage. Other report recommendations include creating a central support to provide training for workers and keep up on employment trends. I'm Edwin J. Vieira. The Mohegan tribe has opened a new casino and entertainment resort in the South Korean city of Incheon. Called Mohegan Inspire, the new facility will include a hotel, arena, meeting, incentive, conference and exhibition spaces, along with signature restaurants and more. Mohegan Inspire Entertainment Resort President Chen Si announced the opening of its first phase as a true entertainment resort in Asia, with a soft opening on November 30th. The soft opening phase encompassed significant interactions, including 
including three hotel towers with 1,275 rooms, Korea's first multi-purpose arena, including the largest ballroom in Korea, and Aurora, a state-of-the-art digital entertainment street. With the aspiration of inspiring worlds, inspiring people, Inspire aims to set a new standard for entertainment resorts in South Korea to visitors of all generations and nationalities. James Gessner Jr. is chairman of the Mohegan Tribe and the Mohegan Management Board and said, quote, This is a momentous occasion for Mohegan, marking both an historic partnership for our tribe and a new echelon for our system of premier integrated entertainment resorts around the world. We have been honored to work closely with the Korean government to make this day possible, and we look forward to inspire contributing to the local and regional economies by creating local jobs, bringing visitors to enjoy the Incheon region, and attracting new businesses. Ray Pino, president and chief executive officer of Mohegan, said of the new endeavor, quote, Inspire is significant to us not only for our growth in the global market, but also for the opportunity to share Mohegan's legacy and spirit with the world. Mohegan Inspire plans to open the entire resort in phases by the first half of 2024. A new survey from Florida-based Brooks Rehabilitation called the Cost of Falling shows Connecticut is the most expensive state to have a fall in. The survey showed the cost for medical care of a non-fatal fall in the state is almost $12,700, with New York and Rhode Island following in second and third highest places to have a fall. The survey found that the U.S. national average of one non-fatal fall for an older adult is around $9,652. The survey used data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as insights from their own medical professionals. For older adults, one out of five falls cause a serious injury such as broken bones or a head injury, resulting in 3 million being treated in emergency departments and roughly 800,000 hospitalized because of a fall injury each year. That's according to the CDC. The average cost of falling varies across the nation due to differences in state laws, regulations, insurance coverage, cost of living and availability of access to specialized services, medical procedures or treatments. According to the U.S. Health Resources and Services Administration, Connecticut has the lowest access to care in the nation at just 19 physicians per 100,000 of population, which could be driving the high medical costs. The cheapest states to have a non-fatal fall in is Alaska at around $3,975. That's all from us for this edition. Do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at Connecticut-East.com or Facebook or Twitter at Connecticut East and on Instagram at Connecticut East this week. And you can listen to the show again on our social platforms on demand and by asking your smart speaker to play Connecticut East this week podcast. And please like, follow and share on your social media too. I'm Brian Scott Smith. Thank you for listening. 